know that the Giants are going to the World Series and the Kansas City Royals are going to the World Series. And this I know, neither one of them were supposed to go because they're two wild cards. They weren't supposed to be the winner. But some people would say it's destiny. Well, I don't know if it's destiny. I don't know about destiny when it comes to baseball teams. I'm not sure if it's destiny or just whoever throws the ball best. I'm not sure however the ball bounces. But when it comes to our lives, I do know about destiny. And I know that you and I are destined to win. That's why I said when I look at you tonight, I see a room full of winners. So the title of my message tonight is Destined to Win. If you were here last Sunday night, we talked a little bit about our trip and we talked about how nations rise and fall according to the plan of God. And tonight we're going to get more personal about it and talk about not only did nations have destiny, but us as individuals have a plan and a purpose. We ended last week, um, well, let, first of all, let me give you the definition of destined. I like this. To assign for a specific end, use, or purpose. To direct towards a given destination. To assign to, for a specific end, use, or purpose. There are no unused members in the body of Christ. That's why I said you are destined to win and you are destined to be used of God if we'll yield our lives to Him. We ended last week and we'll start there tonight with Jeremiah 29:11 in the NIV. This verse is awesome and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Let me ask you a question. What kind of plans do you think God's got in store for us? That was kind of weak. What kind of plans do you think he's got in store for us? Say it again. Good plan. We pointed it out last week. He's not playing. I love you. I love you not. I like you. I'm going to give you a nice, happy life. There's something about you that ticks me off, so you're going to have a difficult road to hoe. No. He said this about every one of us. I got plans, good plans, to prosper you and not to harm you. That's a revelation right there. Do you know there's a lot of Christians that think that God is out to get them? They think that God's sitting in heaven with a great big fly swatter. And, you know, the first time you do something that ticks him off, splat, like a fly. No, that's not God's nature. God is a good God. And God's got good plans and good things in store for us. It sounds like he wants to direct our paths and paths a blessing into a good life. Now, let's take that verse and put it over with one in the New Testament we're familiar with, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And we want to look at this one out of the Amplified. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus. Oops, lost my place here. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. 
that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living what kind of a life? I can't hear you living what kind of a life? A good life, which he prearranged, and he made ready for us. There's so much in this passage. First of all, it says every one of us are God's creation. We are his handiwork. We are created in the likeness and image of God. And guess what? He doesn't make any junk. We should never look in the mirror and go, oh, I don't like your nose, oh, this, oh, that, you're so this, you're so that. No, when you're tempted to do that, look in the mirror and say, I am God's handiwork. I'm beautiful. I'm valuable. I'm precious in His sight. I don't care what you've been told or how you've been treated. You are valuable and you are precious. You are one of a kind. I heard this statement years ago, and I can't not even tell you the source of it, but I love it. It said this. It was a woman that mentioned this. Perhaps you feel unattractive and unworthy. Nothing could be more untrue. God plant, painted a wonderful piece of artwork one day, and that painting is you. You're one of a kind. Isn't that awesome to think about? And listen to that phrase again. Living the good life that he has prepared ahead of time for us. Ahead of time for us. That means before you were ever born. Before you were ever a twinkle in your parents' eyes. God knew that you were going to be born. And he prepared some things. Made ready. For your life, before you ever came into the earth, there are no oops in heaven. Your parents may have said oops, but God didn't say oops. Not an accident. Every one of us are his handiwork with his planned purpose and destiny on our lives. I was thinking about, I like to do illustrations, and I was thinking about preparation and preparation Illustrations. What's it mean to prepare? Well, it means to get ready, right? It means to get ready, get to make something, an event happen or whatever. You're getting prepared for it. So we're in October and we know that the next month is, is November. And uh, when our kids do come home, they don't always come home now every Thanksgiving. But in the past, when the kids would be here for Thanksgiving, it was a big event. It is a big event. There's a lot of preparation that goes into cooking this Thanksgiving feast. I cook for days. It's a special time. And the kids, I want the kids to be blessed. I find out all their little favorite things. I remember what they like, their cookies, all this stuff that they like. And I make gobs of food because it, I'm preparing for this special event. Now, wouldn't my kids be disappointed if they woke up on Thanksgiving morning, the table wasn't set, the turkey wasn't in the oven, the pies weren't on the counter, and you know, they were like, 
what's going on here, Mom? And I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I didn't feel like preparing anything. An hour or two later, I come walking out of the kitchen with turkey hot dogs on a paper plate and say, this is what we're having today. There'd be major disappointment. But you know what? My kids know that ain't going to happen. Why? Because they know their mother. And they know that I love them. And they know that I will prepare to my very best of my ability to make sure that they have a Thanksgiving feast. When I was thinking about that, it just came up in my heart. Jesus said this, how much more? How much more do I love you? If you go to that much effort to prepare a special event for your kids, how much more have I prepared for you to have a good life? We've got to believe it. We've got to know that God loves us. That He's got good things in store for us. And there are people that will say, well, sure he does. In heaven. They quote John 14, 2. And it's a wonderful scripture that Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare one for you. And we get blessed. We read that at funerals. We think, yeah, awesome. They've entered into their mansion. It's good to think about heaven. It's a wonderful place. It's a real place. He has prepared a beautiful mansion. For each one of his children. And I'm glad that he didn't say, I go to repair an, a broken down apartment for you. No, he said, I go to prepare a mansion for you. And that makes us happy. And we ought to be glad to think about what's waiting for us in heaven. But too many people put off till enjoying life till they get to heaven. And they don't expect much to happen now in the nasty here and now. But you know what? That's not scriptural. Of course he's preparing a mansion in heaven. But he also wants us to enjoy days of heaven upon the earth. That's living the good life. That he has prearranged and made ready for us. Now, we're not robots. Look around. Look at your neighbor. Do they look like a robot? If they're asleep, wake them up. People alive, people shouldn't be sleeping in church. We're not robots. God does not make us do anything. He didn't want creatures that just walk around, praise him, praise him, praise him. You're good. You're good. You're wonderful. No, he didn't create us like that. He created man in his likeness and in his image. And he gave man of the creation something that nobody, no other creation has. He gave us a free will. And with that will, we choose whether we're going to serve him or not. We choose whether to give him glory or not. We choose whether we're going to come into the kingdom of God or not. It's our Choice. Now we know with this thing called will, every one of us have made some wrong choices. Anybody in here ever gotten in trouble because you got off course and you took a wrong turn? You took a detour? You made a wrong uh, decision in your life? You, you, you used your will and you chose something that wasn't good for you? It's like driving down the road. Have you ever been lost before? Have you ever gone, I don't think this is the right road. And 
Well, I think I'm going the wrong direction and we're way off course here. And if you discover that you're on the wrong road, you've made a wrong turn, isn't it foolish to say, I know I'm on the wrong road, but I'm just going to stay here and hope that I get to my destination. It ain't going to happen. What happens? If you're going the wrong direction, what do you got to do? You got to turn around and get on the right path, the right road. Well, it's the same with the things of God. We may have made some wrong decisions. I I can't even say we may have. We all have made wrong choices. We've all taken detours in life. But don't stay on the wrong path. Use that will. Use that choice to say, okay, I'm going to get back into my destiny. I'm going to make the adjustment. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to step right back in to that path that he has prepared for me. No, he's not going to make you do it, but he wants you to do it. And if we'll seek him, if we'll come to him, he'll show us the path of the light. He doesn't want his children walking in darkness. Doesn't the Bible say the path of the righteous, what happens? It gets brighter and brighter and brighter. The more you fellowship with him, the more you get into the word, the more your spirit is illuminated, the more your spirit is alive unto God and more sensitive and more in tune. And you can hear when he says, don't go that way. Don't take that job. Don't marry that person. Don't go over there. Because your spirit is in tune, it will keep you right on course. If you'll learn to listen to him. Amen. He wants us to choose life and not death. Blessing and not cursing. Doesn't the Bible say that over in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. The word of God says this. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and And curse. Therefore choose life. That you and your descendants may live. That you and your descendants may live. He's telling us here. I've said it here before you. I've given you a will. I've given you the choice. Here's the path of life. Here's the path of death. Here's the way of blessing. Here's the way of curse. But you know what? It's an open book question. And so he's saying, hey, didn't you like it in school when you had an open book test? You're like, oh, good. I can find the answer. He said, I'm not going to make you search for the answer. He goes right on ahead and he says, choose life. Choose blessing. Doesn't it sound better to go the way of life? To walk in the blessings of the Lord instead of to be outside of what he's planned for us, outside of his covenant for us, outside of his protection. And then I like how it said there at the end, that you and your descendants may live. At the end of the 11 o'clock service today, if you weren't here, make sure you listen to that message that pastor preached. But at the end of the service today, he was doing a masterful teaching 
on faithfulness. First of all, our God is faithful. Secondly, there's blessings to us, for us, when we are faithful. But it came up strong in my spirit, and I shared it at the end. I know he had had that too, that our faithfulness doesn't just affect us. It affects generations to come. He used the illustration of Naomi and Ruth. And we know that, you know, her, Naomi's husband had died. Her daughter-in-laws were married to her sons. Their husbands had died. Ruth's getting ready, Naomi's getting ready to go back to Israel. And Ruth said that famous line, wherever you go, I'll go. Where who, your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I'm going to die. She was faithful to her mother-in-law. She took care of her. And God rewarded her. She ended up marrying Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. Boaz and Ruth together. They had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. Because of her obedience, she was in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. It affected generation after generation after generation. And that's the same principle here. If we choose life, if we say, I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to live in the commandments of the Lord. I'm going to obey the Lord with all of my heart. I'm going to do my best to follow after Him, to live a godly life before my family. Guess what? Not only will it cause life and blessing upon you, but on your descendants. Choose life. How many of you in here tonight are going to choose life? That's The winner's attitude. You'll be destined to win if you choose life. Amen? Amen. Now, he said, I've prepared some wonderful things for you. For the path of the righteous. What kind of path? What kind of life? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 10, verse 10 in the Amplified. This is just a reminder tonight. I know these are familiar passages of Scripture. But doesn't do your heart good to think about the goodness of the Lord. To think about what He has prepared for us. For those that love Him. The best is yet to come. Days of heaven upon the earth. The glory of the Lord getting stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. That's what's in our future. Days of destiny. Time of great revival. We get to be a part of it. Hallelujah. Because we're choosing Him. We're choosing life. And this is what He said I'm going to give you. Of course, we know what the devil comes to do. That's no secret. The thief comes only. John 10, 10 in the Amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But why did you come, Jesus? He said, I came that you may have and enjoy. Everybody say, and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the full. Till it overflows. Hallelujah. That sounds like living the good life. In abundance. 
Overflowing. Not overflowing with tests and trials. Overflowing with life. Overflowing with blessing. Overflowing with goodness. Anybody interested in having that kind of life? Woo! Hallelujah! How do we tap into this? How do we walk in it? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We're driving this point home. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Some people misquote this and they say, well, you know, we can never understand. We can never see. We can never perceive what God's prepared for us. We'll never be able to comprehend all of God's wonderful plans for us. And then other people have the attitude, for sure, I know it's bad. For sure, I know he's going to send a lot of tests and trials my way. You know, religion and tradition, they try to mess up the Bible. The Bible is so easy to understand that we've needed a lot of help to misunderstand it and misinterpret it. But not in this place. Jesus is helping us. Amen? But Jesus, he said this. He said, I prepared some things for you, for those that love me. He said, you haven't seen it. What do you mean when we haven't seen it with our eye? We haven't heard it with our ear. It's not going to be perceived in the natural. If you stay in the natural, if you live in the area of reasoning, you're not going to tap in to what he has prepared for us. Because he gives us the clue in the very next verse of how we can know. How we can know what God has prepared for us. What is it? In verse 10, he said, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. How many of you in here have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you? If you're born again, you do. Maybe not everyone in here speaks in tongues and is filled with the Holy Spirit, but that can change tonight. Because when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like like an increase of the power of God and the spirit of understanding. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit is sent to be our teacher, to be our guide to be our strengthener, to be our intercessor, to be our helper, to show us things to come. And one of the things that he will show us, if we pray in the Spirit, if we seek the Lord, one of the things that he will show us is those things that God's prepared for us. These verses go together. He said, you're not going to see it with your natural eye. You're not going to hear it with your ears, the things that God's prepared for those who love Him. But, but is a conjunction. But God has revealed them to us through and by His Spirit. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. Life is a journey. But you and I 
have a guide. We have a tour guide. We have a heavenly helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And if we'll listen to him, he'll stir us through those difficult seasons in our life. Does it mean that when we hook up with God and we're obeying him, that, well, it's just going to be smooth sailing, not going to ever be any problem. He's got this wonderful, coasty, cushy life prepared for us. No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means that even when difficult things happen and rough places happen, if we'll listen to him, we'll just go right on through them. There have no temptation taken us such as common to man. But God will, with that temptation, make a way of escape. That's living the good life. That's being prepared. We're prepared spiritually. We're ready for anything. We're equal to anything that the enemy throws our way because we're walking in tune with him. We got the word of God, which is a sharp edged, two-edged sword. We've got the spirit who is our helper, who is our teacher, who is is our guide and we're going to sail right through those things we're going to maneuver through the difficulties of life hallelujah we're not going to be defeated everybody say i cannot be defeated and i will not quit i'm a winner he always causes me to triumph hallelujah you and i will face battles We will have to fight. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, no, 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. That tells us right there that we're going to have to stand against some things. Why did the Apostle Paul give us a description in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have to put on the whole armor of God? That depicts that we're in a battle, that we are a soldier, and we are called to battle. We are called to fight. But the good news is this, even though we're called to battle, we're destined to win. Hallelujah! He always causes us to win. It's not over until we triumph. It's never finished until we win. Hallelujah! Aren't you happy about that? Fight the good fight of faith. Now, I haven't been in many fights in my life. I did get in a fight with a kid on the school bus one time because he kept pulling my hair. And I had had enough of him picking on me and my friend. I stood up and I don't know what came over me. Booger Red Spirit. My grandfather was pretty much full-blood Irish and he was known as Booger Red. He liked to fight. Did get saved before he died. Praise the Lord for that. But something came over me. I still remember it. I stood up and I don't... I socked the guy in the nose. I gave him a bloody nose. I'm sure I was clawing his face. And the school bus driver just let it happen. Because this little bully had been messing with all the girls. And I, I didn't even get in trouble. So anyhow, we're not called to lose. That's how I felt that day. There's no way I'm losing. <laughs> Don't pull my hair. No, we are not called to lose. A good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. I learned that day that a good fight is a fight that you win. A good fight is when they don't even get a knock off on you. He didn't even touch me. He was in shock. 
That's a good fight. I won. And you know what? That's what we're called. Jesus said, fight the good fight of faith. And why is it a good fight? Because we win. Yes, there's going to be battles. But praise God, we are destined to win if we'll stay hooked up with the winner. Hallelujah. Don't you love this verse? We'll close with this one. We've got a few more comments. Don't get too excited. We're not closing just yet. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 in the Amplified. Oh, I love this scripture. So good. Let's get that up there, and I want you all to read it with me. 2 Corinthians 2.14 in the Amplified. If they have it up there in a moment, we'll read it. But thanks be to God. You can say that with me. Let's just lift our hands. There we go. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in what? In triumph. That sounds like victory to me. That sounds like winning to me. As trophies of Christ's victory. And through us, he spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. Woo! But thanks be to God. Everybody lift your hands and say, thanks be to God. He always leads me in triumph. He always causes me to win. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now I like the word always. Everybody say always. I looked this up yesterday. Always. It means this. In every instance, and then I really like this one, no exceptions. No exceptions. You know, people like to say, well, I know God blessed them, and I know God did this for them, but I'm an exception. It's not going to happen for me. No, there are no exceptions. He always, always, everybody say always, always leads us in triumph. You're not an exception to the law a victory that was put into motion, not by us, not by our merits, not by our good works, but who is this that leads us into triumph? Who put this law of triumph into motion? Who did it? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's already conquered. Think of it. He's conquered death, hell, the grave, Satan, Devil threw his best shot, but who won? Who came up triumphant and victorious over death, hell, and the grave? Our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this says, He he always causes us to triumph. Who in Christ we always triumph. Hallelujah. Let me just say it this way. You're not an exception. Your problem your life, your difficulty, it's not too big for the one who always causes us to triumph. You're not an exception. Your problem's not going to stump heaven. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are not up there right now in the conference saying that beats anything I ever saw. 
I just don't know what we're going to do. I'm telling you, those emeralds are facing something that I've never seen the likes of it before. No, there's not such a thing. Heaven's not stumped. There's no problem as big as our God. There's nothing that he can't cause us to triumph in. What are you tonight? We're winners. We are winners. He always causes us to triumph. We are destined to win because Christ has already won the victory. And I love how this says this. How did it say that again? Let me quote it right. Through us, Christ's victory in us and through us spreads and it makes evident the fragrance, the fragrance, the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. Everybody go like this. I smell something in here. And you know what it is? It's ode to victory. (laughs) There's a scent in the room. There's a fragrance in this place. And it's the fragrance. It's the hint. It's the scent of victory. And when we get that scent all over us, no matter what we're, what's going on in our lives, but when we go, okay, I'm going to be in the presence of God. I'm going to just be a trophy of God's grace. It's not in us. It's not because of us. It's because of Him. It's because of Him that we triumph. He wants us to be displays and trophies of His goodness and His grace. So he said, okay, I'm going to get in his presence. I'm going to just let that fragrance of his victory get off on me. He is victorious. Do you agree? He's victorious. There's no greater than our God. And because he's victorious, I'm going to hang out with him. What's on him? Going to rub off on me. Ah, I'm going to leave this place of his presence, hanging out with him, letting what's on him rub off on me. Then everywhere you go, he said, we're going to be a fragrance. We're going to be a fragrance. People are going to go, Helen, what's that, what's that new scent you're wearing? I don't know. It's not from Avon. What is that? Oh, it smells so sweet. I want some of that. And we can say, it's ode to victory. It's a fragrance of heaven. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory.